Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where economic developers from across the country spill their secrets to your host, Paul Shuren. You'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how deals come together or how deals go bad. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets. Welcome to Economic Development Secrets. My guest this week is Telly Tucker. Telly is the director of Arlington Economic Development for Arlington County, Virginia, where he currently leads an economic development team with more than 50 employees. As many of you in economic development may know, Amazon selected Arlington, Virginia for one of its HQ2 locations in 2018. Amazon is moving forward with its hiring and investments in Arlington, and Telly gives us an update on Amazon's activities in the community. He also talks about the region's tech talent that it's helped attract Amazon in the first place. In this episode, we also talk about how Telly joined Arlington in January of 2020, and like many other economic developers, pivoted the organization's role amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. Be certain to listen to the end where we turn to one of the most fascinating topics in economic development and the wider economy right now, remote work. Telly discusses the trends he sees in Arlington with the return to work and how businesses are rethinking their use of office space. And with that introduction, I hope you enjoy this episode of Economic Development Secrets with Telly Tucker. Well, hi, Telly. Thank you so much for joining us on Economic Development Secrets. And I'm really excited to have this discussion because Arlington, Virginia, and, and Crystal City is the place where Amazon selected, uh, is one of the places, I guess, that Amazon selected for HQ2. And so um, I guess that was, Arlington was the one that they moved forward with, and I believe it was in the fall of 2017 when Amazon announced its search for HQ2, which was going to be the second headquarters outside of Seattle with 50,000 jobs and, and millions of, of square feet of space that they were looking for. And it was, it was definitely, I remember at the time, it was huge news in economic development, and it even made, obviously, for big headlines in the, in the real news, so to speak. Um, and so initially, when, when it came out uh, about their selection, they had announced Virginia and New York, and, and then ultimately, only the Arlington side moved forward uh, with everything, whatever happened in New York. Um, but I guess let's start here, Telly, if you wouldn't mind, um, as, the, as the economic uh, development director in Arlington, Virginia, there's a lot of activity around Amazon. Can we get an update on um, Amazon's hiring and investment and, and activity in Arlington, Virginia to this point? Sure. Um, so thanks, Paul, first for the opportunity. It's my pleasure to um, to, to participate in, in the podcast today. So yeah, we're really excited. I joined Arlington Economic Development in January of 2020. Um, that was actually, I came in after the Amazon announcement. And uh, really exciting time, lots of energy, momentum, activity, interest in Arlington. And I think um, you know, historically, people knew Arlington, Virginia as a place where maybe the Pentagon was located just outside of Washington, D.C., or uh, Arlington National Cemetery. It's a lot of, a lot of publicity uh, politically. But not very many people knew about the region as um, really a driver of tech talent. And so in many ways, what the Amazon HQ2 announcement did was put Arlington on the map. And uh, so if we're thinking about, I think it was in November of 2018, um, Arlington was selected as a choice for HQ2, and uh, we were really proud of that because it was a competition for more than uh, out of more than 220 other cities. Uh, and in some ways, it, it validated um, the 
Arlington, Virginia region and the, the Arlington, Virginia uh, County, and then the entire region, Northern Virginia region, Washington, D.C. metro area, as one of the top tier tech talents um, regions in the United States. And it's really, um, I think companies that were here had previously recognized that, but for many other people in the United States who never really thought about this region as a, as a um, kind of a burgeoning uh, tech talent area, it really solidified that and validated it for us. Um, truly a game-changing project. I think it's the largest uh, project in the history as far as public, public RF, IRFP in the history of economic development projects. Um, committed to 25,000 employees. Once they eliminated um, New York and the project there uh, kind of shifted, um, they, they kind of changed their projection to more like 37,750 jobs in North Virginia. Oh, wow. um, the, the plan initially was to occupy uh, 4 million square feet in office space. Um, since then, as they've now moved into, they're, they're well within the construction of phase one, which is due to be complete in 2023. Uh, it's about 2, 2.3, 2.4 million square feet. And they've already submitted conceptual plans for phase two, uh, which is another 2.3, 2.4. So it'll be a total of about 4.9 million square feet between the two phases. Uh, and so I think phase two is, is scheduled to be completed around 2025, 2026. Um, so where they are currently, um, they've hired more than 4,000 employees. They are um, really moving quickly and uh, in fulfilling their uh, performance obligations as it pertains to developing new square footage in the national landing submarket here in Arlington. And they uh, are well on their way with hiring employees as well. Um, for people who don't know, uh, National Landing, it's, it's, it's within Arlington, it's just across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C., and it consists of three neighborhoods, Pentagon City, um, obviously where the Pentagon is, uh, Crystal City, and then an area that straddles both Arlington and Alexandria called Potomac Yard. Those three uh, neighborhoods make up uh, what we call National Landing. Wow, very nice. Yeah, you're, um, I, I will say from my, maybe this is just my uh, kind of uh, acknowledgement of, of the, the region. I, I definitely thought, um, you know, the, the focus was kind of government, uh, you know, uh, that, that whole region was just kind of federal government uh, businesses and, and other um, uh, of that type of focus as, um, as Amazon made clear in their HQ2, uh, they were really focused on uh, a lot of different aspects between being able to have the, the workers and so forth, but, but specifically the tech talent and the pipeline of talent. And so it really speaks to um, what the region and, and Arlington and, and Virginia itself is, is doing to kind of support that and be able to provide that for, for Amazon in such a, 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 big, a big way. So that's, it's really, uh, I think, a, a good thing, and probably puts you on the map. And and you know, just like when Amazon moves like that, it it can uh, open the eyes maybe of others. Have you found that to be the case? That um, that that kind of somewhat notoriety from Amazon got got others interested as well that uh, may have not. We we definitely saw, uh, you know, post Amazon announcement, we were really a great place, seeing quite a bit of interest from brokers in the market. Um, some of them interested because of Amazon and then others, I think, just really curious about what was going on in the market. And, and as you suggested, um, 
what's going on here that maybe we don't know about and let's take a closer look. And so um, we, we certainly saw some of that. I think what happened with once the pandemic um, kind of came in March of 2020, um, a lot of those decisions, they didn't go away. They were maybe delayed uh, and tabled just until people had a better sense of certainty on what was going to happen in the market. But we are, are now seeing a resurgence in, in many of those same projects and um, you know requests for information and some of that interest that, that came. Um, we're starting to see a resurgence in that now. Um, I think one thing you touched on, which you know people don't know a little bit about the history of Arlington, you really do, um, you, you were correct in, in thinking about historically Arlington being known as kind of this government town. Um, the Department of Defense had lots of its offices here, obviously being right next door to the Pentagon in the nation's capital, the Department of the State, several others. Um, um, you know, there were government research entities uh, here in Arlington, um, places like DARPA, the Office of Naval Research and the Office of Air Force Scientific Research. Um, but what happened really in late 2000s, much of that changed. So um, for people who, who may know what the acronym BRAC stands for, the base realignment and closure, uh, and then sequestration that followed, much of the government offices um, either downsized or consolidated. And so as a result, Arlington kind of lost thousands of workers and, and hundreds of thousands of square feet, in, particularly in that market right across the river. And so um, there was a conscious effort and strategy to uh, really revisit and re-strategize about how we diversify our sector base so that we're not so reliant on the federal government. And so we, uh, people who are familiar with kind of the strategy would say, you know, Arlington really set out um, an intentional diversification strategy to take advantage of the assets and to look at new key industries. Uh, and so that was everything from fast growing uh, tech entrepreneurship community, um, knowing that many of the universities, both in Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech, George Mason, our hometown university, uh, Marymount, and then even within Washington, D.C., uh, George Washington, Georgetown, and, and University of Maryland, even on the other side of Washington, D.C., were producing significant amount of um, young tech talent, and, and, and this talent was, was sought after um, by people all over the United States and globally. And so I think uh, just a, a really intentional strategic effort to, to capitalize on that, make sure we're marketing that and to start attracting um, companies that are in the tech space, uh, more corporate HQ, uh, some of the nonprofits and associations as well. Um, when you think about names like uh, Lidl, um, it's headquartered here, Nestle moved its headquarters from California to, to Arlington. Um, Entities like the March of Dimes, Consumer Technology Association, Deloitte, uh, Accenture, they all have significant presence here in Arlington. And I think that's, um, I think people are surprised by that who maybe haven't been to the area or really don't know who calls Arlington home from a, from a corporate presence standpoint. They, I think they really are impressed when they see the kind of roster of, of big names and companies that are either headquartered here or have a significant presence here. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. There's definitely a lot of concentration, as you just kind of listed there with a lot of the businesses. And, and I hadn't really thought so much about, yeah, the, the, the talent coming through universities as well. There's just, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I grew up in southeastern Pennsylvania, and it does seem like the northeast compared to where I live now, Austin, the northeast is just so much more concentrated with 
with population, institutions, and just so many more uh, businesses and, and uh, universities packed in there, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you almost just with Austin, you're like, oh, University of Texas, but in, in some of those Northeastern areas, there's just so much more and, and so much just a, a stone's throw away. And, and that's kind of with Arlington, it sounds like you're right in the middle of everything um, being just so close to DC and, and everything else there. We really are, and um, you know, if I if it was a clear day outside here, we could could see the Washington Monument from here, and quite a few other landmarks in Washington D.C. But it's it's true that in certain parts of Arlington, you're actually closer to the nation's capital than you are in certain parts of D.C. And so you you literally are, are just um, a stone's throw across the river from all the decision makers, and you think about um, what's driving new policy and. Uh, in, in Washington, D.C. And, and, and the influencers around how federal regulations affect business. Uh, many of these entities choose to have a presence here so, so they can have direct access to those decision makers. And um, certainly we welcome them here. And, and uh, they're, they're part of what really makes this an attractive place, not only to, to do business, but, but to live as well. Right, right. Um, let's go back to um, kind of your start in uh, in Arlington, and I understand that was uh, the beginning of 2020, and and so you had just about enough time to 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 get familiar with the uh, driving to the office that uh, everyone was hit with uh, with the pandemic and and all of the changes that that took place there. So tell me what that was like, and then what economic development in Arlington looked like through you know that part of of 2020, kind of early on. Sure. So um, it's, it's really ironic. I had uh, all these major plans of what I was going to do when I got to Arlington, you know, this major metropolitan area and how I was going to kind of rub elbows with the movers and shakers and get out and meet people and, and, and these, um, you know, corporate leaders. And, and then within the first six weeks, COVID changed everything. <laughs> and completely shut down the office. Most of our large office users were able to shift pretty seamlessly to virtual work, uh, which was a benefit and really helped sustain the community. But I think the hardest impact from COVID really was felt by our small businesses. We have more than 6,000 small businesses in Arlington um, that depend on things like foot traffic. So our neighborhoods are characterized by, um, you know, a lot of mixed use development, um, high rise with, with ground floor retail, restaurant, uh, entertainment, service-based businesses that depend on people walking in their doors, where, where overnight kind of, you know, all of that went away. Um, and so the, you know, we really had to pivot very quickly to focus on how do we support small businesses and help them sustain through this really difficult time. Um, we diverted things like incentive funds, to small business emergency loans. Uh, we helped small businesses try to navigate the processes behind like some of the federal grants, the, the PPP or the EIDL um, programs that the federal government were, uh, were offering by way of subsidy. Um, what was really inspiring to see, even though in a stressful time, we saw some of our, our best and brightest companies reach out to help their neighbors. We had companies offering their services free of charge, you know, sometimes business strategy or marketing or how to do business online. Um, we saw businesses um, 
patronizing restaurants by ordering thousands of lunches for first responders, doctors, uh, nurses, people who were um, still having to, to work in person doing a, a really, um, I would say, in a really risky time for their health. Um, you know, we really did try to listen in many cases to the businesses on what was happening. Um, how can we be of value? So sometimes it was convening a round table or doing a survey to see what concerns people have. How do we, are there things that we can do from a health safety protocol to make people feel safe to help get them back into um, their spaces sooner, recognizing that the indirect and, and induced impact of, of people being in space um, is felt by these small businesses. And so we're still seeing that. I mean, the market is, is um, starting to recover. Uh, I think we, we track things like um, uh, one of the companies that tracks key card activity of people going in and out of buildings. We've seen that increase over the last few months and it's really encouraging to see. Um, but, but I think um, overall, everybody really tried to, to make a, a conscious effort to support those small businesses. Um, so we did things like, uh, we used uh, like public right-of-way areas for pickup and drop-off for restaurants. And Virginia changed its alcohol law to allow people to take away alcohol from restaurants. And um, you know, just a myriad of I think being really responsive in a short time frame that you probably communities and governments certainly have never had to do before in our lifetime. So it was uh, it was a time of of. I think great flexibility and willingness to try new things to be responsive, kind of this camaraderie and spirit of we're going to all get through this together um, that really pulled people together. And so, um, you know, it's that that's probably the one of the bright spots. Uh, if if I could talk about something that that maybe is a challenge for us going forward, we have seen an increase in the amount of um, office space that's been put on the submarket. Um, sublease market. So you have, um, it's, in, it's affecting our vacancy rate, which we, we track regularly. We're somewhere just under 20% right now of office vacancy. And we like that number to be closer to 10% than we do to 20. And, uh, and of course, the amount of office space, the inventory of office space on the market does drive down lease rates when there's more supply. So we are, um, we are really uh, focused in on that. It was, it was something that that happened years ago when I mentioned earlier, I talked about BRAC and sequestration. We saw 20 plus percent vacancy rate during that time. And we kind of had this strategy on how do we um, reduce that. And so now we're kind of in this um, economic recovery strategy of how do we look at the spaces that we have that are vacant, that maybe offices don't need quite as much space as they did before because the people are working virtually and how do we repurpose that? How do we reuse that? And so there's a pretty robust strategy going on right now, which we're we are affectionately calling commercial market resiliency. How do we make it resilient? How do we make it attractive for people to get in and use them maybe in ways that, and for uses that we've never considered before? Yeah, I wonder, so in, um, I guess throughout Arlington, can you do, you, do you know anything off the top of your head, I guess, maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, uh, but when we think about workers, if they're not coming into the office, they're working from home, do you have, is it, is it the case that I would imagine maybe you have a lot of folks that commute, that would have commuted into Arlington to work? So it's not just that they're not um, going to the office, uh, but that they're not even in the community. And so you, I guess maybe there's a shift along, you know, where you're located in the DC area. Um, 
the people that live in Arlington, they might they might actually live in Washington D or they might work in Washington DC. So I guess it's just a shift around when we think about people who are working from home, uh, they're not in the same neighborhoods that they were when they were working. Is that, uh, I guess, is that um, one of the big effects that you're seeing, I guess, like with your small businesses, it's just, uh, you know, from what had been the normal, let's say back in 2019 with folks going out to lunches and that sort of thing and, and, and different shops around Arlington, they had come into Arlington to work and now they're not even in, in Arlington. Is that, do you have a sense of the commuting population for Arlington? Yeah, actually, it's a great point, um, Paul. We, um, we're we about 230,000 residents in Arlington. We're actually a small county, one of the smallest in the United States at about 26 square miles. Um, <laughs> but our influx of population, it's a very transient um, work workforce around anywhere around the Washington DC area, particularly because of our um, transportation infrastructure, major major metro slash subway system that goes probably, I would say at least 40 miles outside of, um, of DC in every direction. And so you're right, we, we would typically see, you know, with a population of 230,000, we would see just um, almost a, a one, one for one in migration of workers coming into Arlington during the day. And so as you suggested, you know, if from the coffee shop on the corner of the restaurant to um, folks that, you know, maybe go work out at the gym after work before before getting on the metro and going back home, all those businesses were impacted and continue to be. Um, if there is one thing that that I think Arlington had to its advantage, maybe more so than, say, downtown D.C., is we had a much better mix of residents to um, businesses. And so our the, the submarket where we are in, in Boston now, I would probably say boasts one of the best ratios of of uh, residents to you know to workers during the day. And so what it did is it actually still, even though people were working from home, we still had vibrant like um, streets, and it's it's a it's a very mixed use oriented community. So you know um, we had some prospects that came and visited during the um, during the pandemic, and they said, "Wow." there's a lot of activity going on in the streets here. And we said, yeah, there's, there's a lot of residential that live here and young professionals. And, um, and it seems like everybody bought a dog during, during the pandemic. So people were out on the street walking their dogs or having a cup of coffee. And, um, and so um, conversely, I think what we heard in DC was, it was kind of like here, the nation's capital was, it was a ghost town because there aren't, there wasn't a lot of residential there. So um, I think that was, I have to give credit to the planners who thought about how they designed Arlington's commercial corridors even 30 years ago, um, because they really designed them to be very mixed use um, oriented and to promote that um, 18 hour environment, I would describe as like, you know, not just a nine to five and you have a ghost town in the evening, but really having vibrant streets in the in the evenings and on weekends when um, when people may have family and friends coming to visit. Um, that's something that's really unique about Arlington that that kind of differentiates us from from I would say downtown DC. Yeah, and I guess um, you touched on this a little bit with the I guess the idea that some of the office buildings are you're starting to see them recover with the the key card counts and maybe even transitioning some of the existing office space maybe for some other use. I guess just get to get your opinion on this or your your you know maybe expectation of what you see happening. Do you, do you really see it as kind of having uh, uh, a more mixed remote uh, 
workforce. I mean, you have a lot of big businesses um, that are there in Arlington um, and they may employ people who don't even, who aren't in the, the region at all. And I guess, um, I think there's some folks, and it's definitely not black or white, but you definitely hear the people that think, oh, we got to get everybody back in the office. And it's, you know, it's, it's really hurting a lot of these things we've already touched on. And you see that, I, I think, you know, you see New York City with a pretty high, relatively to, to the rest of the nation, really uh, high unemployment rate um, in New York City, just having to do with this fact that it's just been much slower than, ex than expected to, to kind of get back to the office, so to speak. Um, what do you see as kind of the, that we're gonna have this hybrid mix where people are gonna have to come in some days or if you're really gonna have a, um, you know, where you really can have, you know, a good number of your employees that might be kind of working with individuals in Arlington, but really are located in Wyoming somewhere. Are you seeing businesses in, in Arlington kind of embracing that? Or is it, you know, we're, once things die down, we're gonna have everybody back? We've seen a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, I would say flexibility has been the common theme. We have, we've not heard from a large number of businesses that are saying, we're gonna completely get rid of our office space, we're gonna go virtual. But what we have heard is, we're gonna do a hybrid scenario where we're in the office maybe three days a week or two days a week, and then we allow people the flexibility to work from home, the others. So um, our posture actually in, in, in our economic development office, we're in a three day in, two day out um, hybrid model right now. And we're, we're seeing a lot of that. Um, there are, there are, depending on the nature of the business, there are, um, particularly if you're in business development and you're a late relation, if you're in a relationship driven industry or sector, um, that human face-to-face -face contact really is, there's no replacement for that. Um, you know, if I, just to give people a, a, an idea of what I dealt with, it's like, imagine trying to come in and, and meet your entire team virtually, right? To start a new job and you're trying to develop relationships and, and give um, some direction and vision for the, for the team on where they're gonna be moving in the future and having to do all that through a computer screen. It's, it's, it's much more transactional than it is relationship driven. And so naturally um, we, I was excited to get our team back in the office. And I think we've seen um, many companies start doing the same. Like they, you, you kind of almost forgot some of the energy and creativity and, um, you know, creative thinking that happens when you're physically in the same space. Um, our unemployment rate is actually um, about 2.1% right now, as those were our latest numbers from February. So we are relatively close to where we were pre-pandemic. Um, so we haven't seen that, that um, elevated uh, unemployment rate at least not sustained. It, we did we did peak there for a while, but yeah. it came back down pretty quickly. Um, and you know, going forward, I do think we are going to see more creativity in how people use space, uh, and then what uses come in. So we are uh, actively working with our um, planners, our zoning officials, folks who who typically look at permitting and 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 reviewing site plans and how we consider what we allow. Um, there's a whole host of uses now that are being um, considered that maybe before were never considered. And that's everything from kind of flex spaces that include, you know, uh, biotech or robotics and some, what I would describe as lighter industrial type uses. 
and even in office buildings um, where they may have not been, you know, potential candidates for for taking space. Those things are are um, are popping up, and we're seeing interest from from those types of entities. And so, I like to I've I've shared with our elected officials and our county leadership that the communities I believe the communities that uh, offer flexibility and return to to the office or return to to work um, and how we use space, those will be the ones that recover most quickly from the impacts of the pandemic. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right there. Have you had any prospects? I'm just, I'm gonna keep asking questions about the remote work stuff because so many of our clients will, will bring it up and, and wanna think about uh, this. Have you had prospects, any, any kind of new businesses coming in, trying to, you know, you know, give you the job count of, you know, how many are, you know, they're going to hire locally that are going to be based in the office versus, oh, but we're also going to have, you know, 50 remote people too. And then it's like, well, how do you consider those if, you know, they're not really going to be in Arlington, except maybe, maybe for, you know, one or one or two weeks a year, if they're going to come back for some sort of meeting or something. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, we did see we actually did see some some positive um, in migration during the pandemic. Microsoft, for example, opened a significant. Um, they they took on I believe somewhere around one hundred and twenty thousand square feet uh, in Arlington, one of our submarkets, the Roslyn submarket here in Arlington, uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And um, the way our incentives are structured in, in in economic development, we really look. I mean, there there is some. Um, indirect and induced impact of like how many people physically work in the space that gets factored into that. But primarily it's driven by the amount of real estate they occupy. So we look at real estate taxes much more of a um, driver of, of what we um, measure, you know, um, the tax impact to be. And so as long as, you know, if we don't see significant numbers of businesses saying we're going to give up you know, half or more of our space. Um, it really doesn't, you know, whether their employees are, are virtual or whether they're working physically in the space doesn't impact what we would do from an incentive standpoint. Um, now, we do know that that has an impact, as I said, indirectly on, on the small businesses uh, and the service-based businesses that depend on people being in the office. And so we, we did things like, um, you know, pivot some of our, um, our leisure travel and tourism strategies around how do we get people, you know, within a few hours or a day's drive to just spend a couple of days here, right? To create some more foot traffic on the streets. Those were some strategies we deployed. Um, typically, uh, I think for 12 years prior to um, the pandemic, Arlington was number one in Virginia in visitor spending. Um, and so we, we were primarily a business travel market. And I think when, what happened at the pandemic, when you know, when everyone stopped traveling for business, our hospitality sector really took a hard hit. And um, we wanted to be more intentional about trying to diversify that visitor base as well. And so we're starting now to see some recovery in that market. I think they're back, uh, the latest numbers I recall seeing were somewhere between 50 and 60% occupancy rates, um, which, you know, was was up from, I think at it's a low point, they were probably somewhere between around 20%, 15 to 20%. And um, but but normal activity for them this this time of year would be, you know, 75 to 85 uh, percent occupancy. So they are slowly recovering, um, probably much 
it, it's a little bit slower recovery than some of the larger um, leisure travel markets in the United States. I think we've been tracking them. That many of them have uh, rebounded very nicely, and uh, but we're seeing improvement there. We're, we're not quite where we want to be yet, but but uh, we will keep a close eye on that, and we're kind of um, diversifying some some marketing strategy around how we get other visitors to come in and create some of that um, street level activity that that maybe is um, lower now that we don't have as many people in the office. Yeah, well, that that's great. I, I this has been a great conversation, Telly. I really appreciate you taking the time. And it sounds like there is a lot um, happening in Arlington. Things coming back, you know, from from COVID recovering. But also, you've got, uh, of course, Amazon moving full steam ahead. I saw some renderings, I guess, of some of their uh, plans for their buildings, and it looks looks absolutely amazing. So. Can't wait to see how that progresses. And uh, thank you again for taking the time to chat with us here on Economic Development Secrets. Sure, my pleasure. And uh, Paul, we'd love to, to have you come visit and any of the listeners uh, to the podcast come visit. Um, Arlington's got a, a very vibrant um, food, ethnic food scene and, and art scene as well, arts and music and culture. And so that's part of our economic development department here. And we would welcome anyone who wants to come and and uh, kick a tire or two here in Arlington, see what it's all about. Um, certainly, thank you for, for the opportunity to uh, share with your listeners today. And, and uh, we stand here to, to serve anyone who's, who's ready to come in and explore Arlington. Awesome, thanks so much, Tom. All right, thanks. Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers. For more information on this podcast or to listen to podcast episodes, check out impactdatasource.com.